We're not dealing with someone who just wants us to mess up once in a while, who just wants to give us a hard time every now and then. Satan is on a relentless campaign to destroy our lives and dismantle the kingdom of God. This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. When was the last time you thought about how much Satan wants to destroy you? Now, most of us just live our days putting up with inconveniences and sometimes mistreatment by others, but we don't think about how Satan would love to take us out if not for the protection of God. It's not a fairy tale. Satan is real, and we need to be aware of his schemes. Hope you can stay with us for our new series, Unmasking Satan. Today's message, the first in the series, is titled, Understanding Our Enemy. And Crawford will explain how Satan became the adversary he is today and what he hopes to accomplish during his time of access to this world. At the close of the program, I'll tell you how to hear the series again online or how to download it for free. Our primary text is Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Let's join Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy as he explains why he chose to present these messages. Here he is. Number one is just, uh, it's just subjective. I, preaching to me is not speech making and it's not primarily being driven by what is appropriate. It's got to be driven by the Spirit of God. And so um, I just feel compelled that now is a time to do this series. The series is in three parts, but it's one message. And, uh, uh, and if you've got to travel and won't be here, I want to encourage you, not because I'm saying it, but because of the nature we're talking about, get the three-part series together. And uh, then I thought to myself, well, something, well, why don't you just delay it at another time? I just feel like now is the time to do it. So... I don't want to ask for forgiveness because I don't feel it's necessary for apology, but I do want to give you that level of clarification and, and that this is one of these times that I feel that the Lord wants me to press into this and, and to talk about, talk about our enemy, to talk about our enemy. Before we go, go any further, let's bow together for a word of prayer. Holy Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. Thank you, O oh God, that although we're talking about the enemy and he's not, uh, he's not very happy, his happiness is not our concern. Uh, the glory of God is our concern. And Father, we pray that you will protect us during this season right now. Um, protect me, protect our families. And, uh, God, but I pray that um, that enemy who is around us, who loves to lie and deceive and veil truth and get us off into extremes, God, I pray that you will push him back, that you'll surround this place with your angels and, that, and with your divine protection. And may we think clearly about the enemy of our souls, but about the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. You've heard me share here many times that... Uh, I, I, I borrowed this line from a friend of mine uh, a number of years ago. I heard him say this, and he says, you know, you know you're flying over the right target when you're being shot at, and uh, that's true. So when you talk about the devil and this kind of thing, he's not going to sit back and say, oh, wonderful, just tell them all about me and who I am and, you know, what my plans are and this kind of thing. I'm going to leave you alone. Uh, Karen and I have already felt a little bit of that. Um, the other day, a car window that for uh, no reason at all just stopped working and cost me more money than I want to spend. And then uh, the, the other day, uh, I did realize that we had a sprinkler system in the, in the kitchen. What happened was that uh, 
the, somebody was taking a shower upstairs in our guest room, and hello here. So that, that, and just a number of things. This morning, my watch stopped working for no reason, and uh, just, I mean, that ain't nothing. I mean, it's just, that's, just, that's just life, but you sort of, sort of say, uh, yeah, you might be getting the old enemy sending old scud missiles out here. So let's, uh, let's continue. Let's continue to pray. Let me tell you where we're going with the series. Um, this is not a series on, on spiritual warfare as such, although I would love to do that. But I, I want to back up and give three foundational messages related to our enemy. Today I want to talk about understanding our enemy. I think that's the place to begin. There's some different ideas about Satan. There's some weird stuff that I've heard people say about Satan. There's some extra biblical conclusions that people are coming about, say, uh, making about Satan. We can read some of our favorite Christian novels. That's, you know, I question even some of their theology, excuse me for saying that, that draw some little different conclusions about the devil. And we gotta be careful because what ends up happening to us, there is a side to us on all things mysterious that we get pulled into becoming enamored by the dark side of things. And so we need to understand this first message is, is, is just an overview of just who really is our enemy. But then I wanna talk about our victorious savior. Um, I f I, I'm doing this on purpose. In the following week, I'm going to talk about winning the battle. How do, we, how do we conquer the devil on a daily basis? But I want to talk about our victorious Savior before we talk about spiritual warfare. One of my problems with a lot of spiritual warfare talk is that it doesn't spend enough time talking about our victory. And in the Bible, in the Bible, you, you, uh, you can't read the epistles. Every discussion that the Apostle Paul has about the devil, that John speaks about the devil, that Peter in 1 Peter 5 talks about Satan, every discussion, every discussion that they have is from a position of victory. From a position of victory. And I'm going to say some things at the end of the message that will help us here. But be very careful of approaching these things with fear. We don't need to be afraid. The victory has been won for us. And so these three messages, we're going to be going in that vein. Um, I'm going to be very direct today. There's going to be some things, hopefully, uh, that will sober us, to help us to understand what the enemy is really all about in our lives, and he is real. Um, I'm going to start out by saying something that you've undoubtedly heard me say in parts of messages before. But I'm going to underscore it again right now that there are two I found in my, oh my goodness, I guess I've been preaching now 51 years, been preaching since I was 16, and in all my years of ministry, this, is, this has been validated, it's been validated. There, there are basically two extremes when it comes to discussions about Satan and the demonic. And for the, as Christians, we follow these two extremes. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm pleading for the tension and holy balance today and throughout this series. The two extremes are these. One is, is that we ignore him. That we ignore him. That, that, that's a huge mistake. And, uh, you know, we either ignore him or we explain away uh, the supernatural uh, and we explain away evil. We repackage it by having psychological problems or maybe things that go back in our background. And I'm not saying that that's not true or that's not real. It is really true. And we, we go down that road and we try to demystify it a little bit, if I could put quotes around that. And so we, we ignore him. We ignore him. 
But to ignore him does, is exactly what he wants. Satan loves these two extremes, by the way. He absolutely loves these two extremes, and I think you'll see that as we unpack the message. We can ignore him. But another one that I find um, worse than ignoring him, and this is dangerous because I see this tendency when we start reading about demonic activity and we start talking about demons and the devil and the dark side of things and spiritual warfare, a lot of us go to the other extreme, which is terribly, 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 terribly unhealthy where we become almost obsessed with him. We start finding demons and devils behind things that have nothing at all to do with it. And that's what the enemy really wants us to be about. We start putting all of the maladies of life, all of the dark side of people, all of the dysfunctions in our lives in the devil or demon category. We start calling sicknesses demons, and we start calling these things demons, and that, that's a dangerous place to be. In fact, I, I love what Dr. Ken Boas said in this little piece that he wrote on spiritual warfare. He says it much better than I can, so let me quote him. It's a pretty lengthy quote, but listen to what Ken Boas says. He says, excessive preoccupation with demonic forces is hazardous. It is easy to become a demon inspector by looking for demons behind every compulsion, craving and curse. The fact is that the flesh is fully capable of these activities. No one needs to be forced into selfishness, pride, gluttony, self-pity, lust, or bad temper, etc. And I would say, uh, parenthetically here, these are not demons. This is part of fallen nature. It's part of our fallen nature, part of our flesh. The devil made me do it can become an excuse which keeps us from accepting responsibility for our attitudes and actions. It's called sanctification. There is a real problem when a Christian becomes more conscious of the satanic kingdom than the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is this tension. No, don't ignore him, yet at the same time, don't become obsessed with him. In our flesh, Paul says, lies no good thing. He's not talking about demons are necessarily in our flesh as believers. In fact, James tells us we're tempted when we're drawn away from our own lust. It's not the devil. It's part of our fallen nature that appeals to that. So there, there, there is this tension that we have to understand as we talk about these matters. Don't be so quick to be so binary. On one side, you ignore him. On the other side, you put all of the maladies, all of the dysfunctional stuff, all of the mess that we go through, we throw it in the devil and the demon camp. That, it doesn't belong there, not necessarily. Now, having said that, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pulling back on Satan's power, and I'm not saying not demonic, there's not demonic activity as we go along here. But what I am pleading for here among us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who know him, let's not be lazy in our thinking, and let's, let's not the, let the devil set us up for, for either ignoring him or becoming unduly obsessed with him. There is that tendency. Now, having said that, we have to understand our enemy. I think all basic problems in the Christian life comes back with a misunderstanding of truth. Comes back to a misunderstanding of truth. 
when you make assumptions about things rather than going to this book to give us the framework of how we should think about this. Don't listen to Crawford's views on these things. Don't listen to your favorite author's view on these things. Don't listen to people who, who have had spectacular supernatural experiences on these things. We've got to find our framework for approaching these things in the Word of God. That's where we find our framework. Not my experience, not what I think, but what the Word of God actually, actually teaches. The Bible is full of information about Satan. Full of it. Full of it. Full of clarity about who he is. Full of clarity about what he can do. Full of clarity about what he can't do. It's all here in the scriptures. Now let me just give a couple of framing conclusions that I want us to think about before we walk through all of this. The first conclusive statement I want to make is this. We will never experience victory over Satan until we know who he is. That's true. That's an absolute statement. We will never experience victory over Satan until we know who he is. And that's the reason why Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. It's not only a statement, it's also a charge and challenge that Paul was making. Don't be ignorant about his devices. We know his schemes. Don't be foolish. No, don't worship him. Don't be obsessed with him. But don't ignore him either. God has plenty to say about him, and so we need, we, we need to find out who he is so we can have victory over him. The second conclusive statement is this, and that is that Satan is on a relentless campaign to destroy our lives and dismantle the kingdom of God. I want to say that again. We're not dealing with someone who just wants us to mess up once in a while. We're not dealing with someone who just wants to give us a hard time every now and then. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not dealing with that. We're dealing with one who is on a relentless campaign to destroy our lives and dismantle God's kingdom. And I'm going to say more about that in a second. So here's a grand scheme. Satan wants to destroy you. Not just make you do bad things. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy me. That's what he's up to. And the third conclusive statement is this, which comes out of this, and that is that Satan has a plan, Satan is persistent, and Satan is powerful. He's not some little random dude with, you know, little guerrilla tactics and going into, you know, sort of like random ad hoc forays into messing up. There is a plan. He has a plan to dismantle your life. He has a plan to dismantle my life. And we'll see in a few moments. No, he doesn't know everything, but he's as smart as all get out. He knows tendencies. He's aware of us. He's aware of what's going on here. He's aware of what's going on in our church. He has a plan and a strategy. The schemes and wiles of the devil. He knows what he's doing. And so we, 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 we got to be aware of this. He doesn't have the same power that God has, but he has amazing power. You don't play with him. He's real. Now, in order to understand Satan, we have to take a look at these two big things. And these are the two things I'm, I'm going to talk about today. And then I'm going to say some words to wrap it up at the end with some perspective. But we have to understand these two big things. 
We have to understand, number one, who he was, and number two, who and what he has become. That's right. You say, what do you mean who he was? Yeah. See, most of our discussions with Satan begin too late. No, in order to, to really know what he's all about, you've got to understand who he was. Who was he? Now, what has he become? Turn with me in your Bibles back to the Old Testament to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. In Ezekiel chapter 28, we have a portrait of Satan before he fell. Now, let me just say this right now, what my view is. Um, I'm going to come back to this, maybe a few, few references to this. Satan fell, Satan fell before the creation of man. Spiritual struggle was not an afterthought in the mind of God, and I'll come back to that later on. But Satan was in heaven. Most scholars believe here that this is a lament over the king of Tyre, but the language here used in the text is sort of a, it's sort of a double entendre here. It's not just referring to the king of Tyre. In fact, the language in the text is beyond the king of Tyre. King of Tyre is talking about the person and the force behind him. And in so doing, God reveals to us what Satan was or who he was before he fell, verses 11 through 17. There are three observations I want to make here about the character of the enemy before he came, fell. Beginning at verse 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Now, all of this to me, and I think the very first thing we need to understand about our enemy before he fell is that he was extraordinarily attractive and full of wisdom. And he still is extraordinarily attractive and full of wisdom. But that attractiveness and that wisdom has been perverted in turn. And all this stuff that we see about the devil and the ugliness that we see in these Stephen King movies and, and books and, you know, these R-rated horror flicks and all of that, we expect him to be looking like something that is absolutely, totally repulsive. But I have, I have to tell you, I don't think that that's the way the devil normally comes at us. He comes at us as very, if he would walk in here right now, he'd be the most charismatic person in this room. He would fit right in. And he was created that way. He was extraordinarily beautiful. He was extraordinarily attractive. And he was full of wisdom. The devil is not stupid. In fact, you go on to say here, look at verse 14. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire. You walk, most scholars believe, I think it's the New American Standard Version that calls him the anointed cherub that covereth. Most scholars believe that what he's referring to here is that Satan is, was the highest of all of the angels. He was at the top of the heap. He had access to the very presence of God. So we're talking about the highest created being 
right underneath the Trinity, full of wisdom, attractive. That's who he was. And then verses 15 through 17 describe the fact that he was blameless until pride corrupted him. Listen to these words. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God out of his presence. And I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Verse 17, this is the motivation. This is why he fell. Your heart was proud because of your beauty and corrupt and corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. So what happened, and I don't, please don't ask me this question because I don't have an answer to it and I don't think anybody has an answer to this question. If he was blameless in the presence of God, how did, how did his pride enter his heart? Where did sin come from? This is one of these great mysteries. We don't know. We don't know. But we do know that he became arrogant. He became full of himself. Pride ambushed him. And there's this competition. The text seems to uh, uh, suggest there was this competition in his heart between God and himself. And God booted him out of heaven. And by the way, pride is always the homepage of sin. All sin comes back to pride. That is the reason why pride is so damnable in the scriptures. It was the very thing that caused Satan to fall. And by the way, all pride will seek to compete with God. All of it does. So that's, that's who he was before he fell. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. Satan has a plan, he's persistent, and he's powerful. Some of the things we've learned today in Crawford's message, Understanding Our Enemy. And we'll hear the second half of this message next week and learn more about Satan's master plan. We've just begun a new series called Unmasking Satan. As Crawford said at the beginning of our time today, it's important to understand what the Bible says about Satan and how he hopes to disrupt your growth in Christ. It's equally important to know that as a follower of Jesus, we don't have to succumb to Satan's attacks or become victims. Walking daily with Christ is the best way to avoid some of the fiery darts of the devil. Hope you'll be right back here with us next week. If you weren't able to join us at the beginning of our time today, listen to the entire message on our website, livingalegacy.org. All of Crawford's messages are available there to stream. Or download them to your audio player for free. Now, this would be a great series to have available as part of your arsenal in helping to avoid Satan's pitfalls. Go to livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Now, just a word about getting in touch with us. If you become a regular listener to Living a Legacy, it's important that you let us know you're there. Crawford's purpose in bringing you these messages each week is to help you take your next step in becoming a devoted follower of Jesus. And we'd like to know how these messages are contributing to that in your life. Make it a two-way street. Join us each week for the messages and then let us know how they impact you. It would be a tremendous encouragement to Crawford and all of us at Living a Legacy. Don't assume other listeners will do it. We need to hear from you. Look for the Contact Us link on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Thanks so much. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Great to be with you today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.